So I don't know how well this is going to work over the internet, but I have after after reintroducing my uh, adjusted calendar year idea in the last show, I decided to actually follow through on the idea on my thoughts on it. And I made a spreadsheet comparing the current calendar year and what I think would be a better calendar year, right? And the reason why I think this works is because this is an idea I had when I was a groundskeeper in Florida, right? So, like, that's over 10 years ago. This idea has stuck with me for over a decade. So you're judging the idea based on length. Right. I feel like it has to have some... If it's something that I'm still giving credence to it's got to be foolproof all right so let's so let's look at this okay so on the left side you'll see our traditional calendar right we have 300 in a year there are 365 days and there are this is roughly now right because it's actually like 364 blah 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 right so 365 days 8760 hours in one year right Seven days in a week, 168 hours in a week. One day is 24 hours. And then we get into our weeks, right? So you have a five-day work week. You're working 40 hours. You get two days off. So if we were looking at those days as a traditional work day, day. you would have 16 hours off, right? So you have 16 hours off of work. So I'm not including the times before and after work in either of these in any of these calculations, right? Okay. So when I'm looking at the work week, I'm looking only at the hours that you're actually at work. So 9 to 5, 40 hours a week. Right? So your schedule, Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. The number of days you spend working in a year in our traditional schedule is 260, right? That's 2,080 hours, okay? Those 260 days is 71% of the days of the year. So you're spending seven over 70% of your year at work, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the hours are roughly 23% of the year, close to 24%, right? This is amazing. The, Go on. Right. The number of days you have off are 105, which is only 29% of the year. And the hours you have off are 840, which is less than 10% of the year. So less than 10% of your year is your own time, right? If we're looking at just the hours you would be working, right? So you have less than, so you have 29% of your days of the year are days that you are not at work. That's ridiculous, right? That is ridiculous. Like that is assuming that we basically, like this is the thing you have to think about, right? Time is relative, of course, right? We have created time. Yeah. And when we created time was when we did, pe- people didn't have anything to do. There's nothing to do, right? right? Except for be at work. Right. So it's like, let's just spend all of our time at work because what are we going to do in our cave? Like sit in our cave and stare at each other? Let's no. We're going to go day. out and hunt all day long, right? And so that has... Perpetuated. Perpetuated until now where it's like we have more than enough things to do. We don't need to be spending all this time at work. It's just ridiculous. All right, so here's my updated calendar. So the way that this works is I've taken three hours 
out of every day of a seven-day schedule, and I've accumulated those three hours into a new eighth day in that week, right? So we now have 417 days in the year. There are the same amount of hours in the year of 8,760. Now our week consists of eight days, right? There are still 168 hours in the week, so we're not actually extending anything, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, One day is now 21 hours instead of 24 hours, which now I know three hours may seem like a lot, but you're not losing those hours, right? You're just repurposing them towards the end of the week. You're reappropriating them, right? You're moving them towards the end of the week so you can have more time off, basically. And if we all then start subscribing to the polyphasic sleep schedules that they talk about in the in uh, high maintenance, yeah, we can then all of a sudden we have even more time to ourselves, right? Now I can sleep for four and a half hours a day on average, and I've already made up those three hours where I, if I would be sleeping seven hours a time, right? Yeah, no big deal. Okay, so now. You're now we're also restructuring the work week, right? So we're now working four days a week, 10 hour days. So you're still working 40 hours. So your work's not changing. You're still working 40 hours a week. Now we also have four days off since there's four days in the week. So we've got 40 hours off. So your new schedule, let's say you work Monday through Thursday, you work six to four. Um, you're, you're now working 208 days out of the year, which is less than you were before, but you're working the same amount of hours. So you're, so we're not losing any productivity, right? Your time spent at work, your days spent at work drops from 71% to 49% to 50% basically. So instead of spending more than two thirds of your time at work, you're now only spending half. So you have 209 days off half your time off. And you're, you've got pretty much the same amount of hours off as you do on. So 2,080 hours on, which is 23%. 2,090 hours off, which is slightly higher, 23.86%. Right? So we now have more time for ourselves, less time at work. And if you don't want to work four hours, or if you don't want to work four days a day, four days a week, if 10 hours is still too much, you would still have five days at work, three days off. So, and you're still spending less time at work percentage-wise and more time off, right? It works. Yeah, and the extra day. Right, so so I did a little bit of research on the name of the days because I felt like that was the one thing that stumped me the most was like, what would we call this day? And so they're all named after like Greek gods and stuff like that. Right. So I thought the extra day could be known as... Dio day, dia day, something like that. After like, the Greek god, after the the hard rock singer Dio, right? After the Greek god Dionysus, who's the god of partying. I mean, after your your beer theory, <laughs> I think some people may have counted you out. Right, but this works. This calendar theory, it's a it's a act of genius. This, I mean, this may be your. <laughs> This is why you were put on earth. I mean, I'm not even saying that this can be enacted in our lifetime. Yeah. But I think you've laid a foundation here that our generations can build upon. Yeah. 
I think I, it works. Well, look, I was talking to somebody. I went to a retreat at work, a conference, not a retreat. Um, and we were talking, and she's from Bulgaria. And she was saying she loves Bulgaria. And one reason she loves it is because she's like, you'll go to Bulgaria, you'll go to the store, and there'll be a sign posted on the window that says, like, in Greece, closed. It's like, oh, the bakery is closed. Yeah. You know? And nobody thinks twice about it. Like, everyone just goes about their day and whatever. And there's no sense of the work day as this hard kind of thing. Yeah. You gotta come in here. You gotta go there. And she said they're actually going uh, thinking about passing law. They'll make it illegal for you to send work mail after, like, a certain time of day. Like, you cannot even mm-hmm. send it. Mm-hmm. Right now, I think it's illegal to require a response after work hours. And they're, and they're thinking about passing a law saying, you can't even send work mail. Mm-hmm. You know? So, you know, we were talking about that. And I kind of floated the idea of, like, yeah, like, what about a 10-hour, four-day work week? She was like, yes. Yeah. A hundred percent yes yeah on that and other people are like i would do that you know yeah i think it's it's a slippery slope to do that and then not see the brilliance right of reorganizing to have an eight day week yeah well we we my problem is we spend so much time at work it just is so stupid like there's not that much work that's that important you know what i mean it just is like We've just created these things to keep ourselves busy. Like I even, you know, my job now, especially I, first of all, I could do any, most of it at home outside of the customer, outside of the aspect where people need me to come fix their computers or look at a problem they're having. Yeah. But even as a groundskeeper, it's like in any of my groundskeeper jobs that I've had in all of them, the essential work that needed to be done could have been done in three days. Right. And you spend the other two days just trying to like kind of like trying to figure out what to do with yourself, right? Or just like filling time. Like it's not as idle as filling time. There are things to be done. Yeah. But it's more or less like things that could that don't have to be done. You're just doing them because you have to be at work five days out of the week. Right? My whole point is that our calendar is antiquated. We need to we need to it just is like anything else, right? It's like it's like anything else you look at. It's like, yeah, like we did that thing 500 years ago because it made sense for us at the time 500 years ago. Like there's no way we're going to be doing that now, whatever that example is. Time well, is the ultimate version of that. It is the very first version of that, <laughs> right? Vote Blizzard, yeah. 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 All right. I'm well, with you. That's my idea. Look, I know it's not going to happen ever, well, but... Like I said, you've laid an important foundation. Yeah, and I I'm I will put a link, a Google Docs link to my spreadsheet in the show notes, so you can look at my, you can get a better idea of the numbers. The rest of the show is pointless. It right. can't it can't live up to to the open. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, um, this is everything is interesting. Our podcast about everything. Uh, my name is Justin Blizzard. I'm here with Keith. Krepko, and today we're going to talk about, uh, I want to finish talking about the Jinx, because you watched the finale, right? So yep. just a couple quick minutes on that. 
I think we might have a longer conversation about a movie called Spring that I was looking at some stuff on it, and I guess it came out last year. Well, it, it ran It was festival. made last year? Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, like, if you look at, you know, like, Letterboxd or anything like that, they'll put the year that it, like, ever showed ever. Yeah. But, you know, the actual release date is usually a year later for independent film. Okay, so that movie's called Spring. It just came out on VOD. Uh, and we will talk about other things we have watched. Maybe some things we have played. Maybe some things we have listened to. Uh, and maybe some things we've read. Although, yeah. yeah, I don't have anything for any of those categories except for watching. <laughs> All right. I'll fill it in. Yeah. So uh, we'll take a quick break and we'll come back with uh, our, our, our closeout of the jinx. So we talked about uh, the jinx. We've talked about the jinx at length. You finally watched the finale. I don't know if we have much else to say, but I did just want to see what you thought of it, kind of your feelings on the series after watching the finale. Um, okay, quick quick thoughts. Um, right now at this point in my life, I think the jinx is a great story mm-hmm. that has troubling real life implications if you want to get into questions of timeline and things like that, but ethical questions, ethical questions. Mm -hmm. Andrew Jarecki though is a filmmaker storyteller. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, does he have free reign to, you know, lie and manipulate? No, but if you say what will tell us the best story, I can see why he would go down that path, making a documentary series. Mm hmm. Um, I also want to get behind what you said, where last episode I questioned how Andrew Jarecki was going at this project and how he felt about uh, Durst. Mm -hmm. And you said that you felt like he went in feeling like Durst was innocent. And I kind of questioned you on that. I was like, I don't Mm -hmm. know about that. I'm fully behind you after watching the finale. Right, and I think you get a better sense of that in that last episode. Right, because yeah. he, he, and again, is he playing that up now right. for the finale right. to be like, oh, I thought he was innocent this whole time, gee whiz. Now that we, now they have all this evidence against him. Which it seems maybe. especially weird when you know like the plot of the movie he made about Robert Durst, All Good Things, which... Which is which, insane. Right, which posits that like... Robert Durst hired somebody to murder somebody else. Uh, the, the guy <laughs> Morris, Black, Morris right, Black, which is like, why in the world would Robert Durst see that and then think this is the guy I have to talk to? <laughs> this guy knows me better than anybody else. Right. So who knows? So and why would Jarecki think that looking at the case? <sighs> yeah. It's like he's matching Durst's insanity with his own spin on the right. story. Like it's just a crazy 
theory to even yeah. posit. Um, so yeah, I think they're I think they're kind of meant for each other. Yeah, yeah. It was, but it, yeah, it was a good series. There's just a lot of weird things about it. You know what I mean? Like, I thought the structure was weird. I thought the structure of the entire series and episode by episode was all weird. It just felt like. I don't. I really have no better way to describe it than just like weird or like off-putting for some reason. But I liked it. I thought it was good. Um, let's talk about, and this is something I forgot to mention in the opening. Let's talk about high maintenance. Your recommendation oh, yeah. from last week. Yeah. The web series high maintenance. So I watched. I guess we both watched all of the first season, quote unquote, or basically everything <clears throat> you can watch up until the paywall. Right. So I watched the first season. And they're called like cycles. I think there's like four cycles of three episodes. Oh, okay. Um, It's really hard because it's hard to find a website that coalesces all that they've done in any clear. Yeah, the Vimeo setup is really strange. Really strange. Yeah. It is not user friendly. It's manageable on the website itself. If you try using the Vimeo app, like forget about it. Forget about There's it. no way. I'm pretty sure I watched them in order, but that was because I watched them on the website. So did I. The app is completely random. I watched it over a few sittings, and every time I came back, I think I tried Vimeo. Like I think I pulled it up on Vimeo just to again see right. if I was what I was doing. And every single time I walked away after right. five minutes being like, I, I don't even know what they're talking right. about. And there's no uh, description for the shows. They're, they're all just <laughs> names. So it's like, I'm not sure if I've watched, because I went back after, I watched them all in one sitting, <clears throat> which probably says something to how I felt about it. But I tried to then go back a couple days later and um, watch a couple with, my, with Julia. And... They're all just first names. So I was like, wait a minute, which one is this? Because there's a couple I wanted to watch purposefully, but I had right. no idea which ones those were. Right. Um, so yeah, what so what did you think of the first season at least? So yeah, I, I watched, you know, the I think I basically watched the first cycle when it first came out. I think I watched the first mm-hmm. three initially, kind of forgot about it, heard some people talking about it recently because the new cycle or series mm-hmm. or set. Um is coming out. And um, I remember watching the first three and being intrigued, but not being kind of hooked mm-hmm. into it. I think as a great kind of first episode that kind of speaks to what I can see, why people are interested in the show, mm-hmm. because it has a different approach to the stories that they're telling. <clears throat> they're trying to make each one feel like a short story. Like, it all has some arc. Sometimes it's just a joke. Most of the times, though, they're trying to, you know, kind of flesh out a character a little bit. And I enjoyed it because it it didn't approach it from a normal way that you would think that I mm-hmm. guess I was thinking. Mm-hmm. So upon rewatching <clears throat> and going further, are, are you kind of asking like my overall thoughts on, on everything, like how I felt about it? Yeah, how you felt about it. We can also talk about maybe uh ep- individual episodes that stood out to you mm-hmm. either for better or worse. Yeah. Uh but I guess we should say it's if you haven't watched it it's free on Vimeo. Just go to the Vimeo to point. website. Yeah, it's up to a point. Just like Hearthstone. Right. And Starbucks right. app. <laughs> Search for high maintenance and there are like 5 to 6 minute long 
shorts basically. That then progressively get longer, like by the end, like 15 minutes. Yeah, and they follow the main character is a drug dealer. Does he have it? I don't remember what his name is. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he has a name. But uh and it kind of loosely follows his it, well, it follows his clients, right? So he makes an appearance in every episode, but the majority of the episodes are spent with his clients. And throughout the series people start making um, all of the characters start getting tied in together, right? So um, what did you feel were some of the highlights, lowlights for you? For for me, the highlight was uh, Kasim. That was... Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That one, I think, exemplifies the series at its best. You are taking a story that maybe you you think you know but you don't know mm-hmm. and then manages to pull off a whole lot of tones all mm-hmm. at once where you think maybe it's a rom-com then you think is this a horror story and mm-hmm. then it switches to something else and it's funny and it's just bizarre yeah and i really 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 enjoyed that one <clears throat> because the whole time I was trying to pin down what the character was, even what, what the name was. Cause mm-hmm. up until then each title was a name of a character. And mm-hmm. I'm like, this guy is not Kasim. Right. Like where is Kasim? Yeah. When is he going to come into this? Um, and the big reveal, which I don't want to spoil sure. on that one, I think it's totally worth it. So yeah, I think, and I think they don't have to necessarily, especially that one doesn't have to be watched in, context because it doesn't pull from any characters you've seen before well, i don't like think any of them have to be watched in order well don't you feel like there's some that that really tie in like you know there's that one where he sees um where he's trying to see matilda mm-hmm. with his niece mm-hmm. and you have that brief interaction mm-hmm. with a character who popped up before that he's totally disgusted by yeah you know, there are little callbacks like that like if you didn't see the first one introducing that character when he pops up in that one at the end, he'd be mm. like, why was he so upset? Well, I, I, well, I think it plays both ways because he's obviously upset because the guy called him a drug dealer in front of his niece. But he's also upset if you've seen the earlier episode because that guy's just a total jerk. But I think it could also work if you watch the episode later to fill in that story and be like, oh, okay, so he has this pretty tenuous relationship with this guy to begin with. And that and it's kind of and that's what I mean. It's kind of it's very it's like a montage of characters, right? It's like a Robert Altman movie, right? Where it just mm-hmm. is a bunch of scenes, shortcuts. right? Short it's shortcuts basically, um, but it's acted really well. I think it's written pretty well, mm-hmm. uh, and the production is the production values are great. It looks great. Yeah, um, yeah, I really like that that um, that short too, uh, and it takes a. I really liked, I think, the opening where you're just following the guy doing his routine. routine. Um, and then it goes into the episode as a whole. That was one of the later ones, right? I yeah, that yeah, was that was the, like, like the third the, from the yeah. last. Uh, what did you think about the Hannibal Burris episode? That one, I think, was the first one that got me intrigued in the sense of I thought that 
it, it, it walked this fine line dancing on both sides of like working and not working for me. Like, and I loved the, I guess, I guess in this one, I want to spoil a little more, but I love the moment, <clears throat> spoiler alert, when he gets shot at. Mm-hmm. That came out of nowhere. Yeah. That was exciting. That was an exciting turn for the narrative to take. And then the the button at the end of it was a little on the nose when he's tweeting. Although I liked it. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, it felt like, you know, either something that he really wanted to say or it's a part of his set that you could see him like working into his real stand-up, which I liked. Mm-hmm. And then the very end, you know, where you're like farts, mm-hmm. which did you watch the blooper reel? I can't, I couldn't, I couldn't. I started watching it and then I just, I couldn't really watch it. I watched everything that I could because mm-hmm. I do my homework. Uh-huh. <laughs> In the blooper reel, it kind of ends with the fart, uh-huh. which made me think, was that ad, like, was that accidental or ad-libbed? Right. If it was, I would have done the same thing and left it in. Mm-hmm. If it's scripted, it honestly, that one thing like really, it pushed it over for me because I was like, you made your point, mm-hmm. you, you know, with, with, with the text. Like, to me, you didn't have to be that self-aware. And, and I felt like it was like, you know, like, we know, we know, right? Mm-hmm. We know we're not a message. Like, this isn't just about a big message. Mm-hmm. And then they do it again at the very end. Like, see? Mm-hmm. See how irreverent we can be about this? Yeah. I don't know. I felt like that button for me undercut it mm-hmm. a little too much. You're, you're giving me a weird look. So I'm- no, it, it just didn't. I didn't register with me, really. I just thought it, I didn't really think about it that much. About the fart or the about episode? About the fart. I like the episode. Yeah. I don't know why the fart stood. I, I'm, I'm being honest. I don't know why yeah. it stood out to me so The much. only just- thing that didn't work for me in that episode is some of Hannibal Burr's acting. It's just it's not that great. Well, he's not a good actor. Right. And I think that's like he's in Broad City, which mm-hmm. I've watched a little bit of. I think there his bad acting is like part mm-hmm. of the show. Yeah. I think he kind of embraces it. Right. Were there any uh were there any ones that didn't work for you that you just didn't like at all? How did you how well, how did you feel about the uh the really the, like kind of the two worst characters, the the girl I like that episode. In that gay guy. Did you like that one? I, mm-hmm. As I'm thinking about it, that one kind of got under my skin a little bit. And again, mm-hmm. maybe because of the ending, you know? Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where, where it, it turned into too much of like a joke. Like you built up these kind of real characters and then you just kind of like, boom, like a little punch, mm-hmm. you know, a low blow on the way out. Like, Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I I, I think for me, there were no because it was kind of it's kind of like my feeling with like the Stephen King short story with the Lawnmower Man. It's like you a story that's only like eight pages long. I feel like it could never really be a bad story because it's only eight pages long. You know what I mean? It's like if it's it's just if it's so I, I just I just felt like they're so short that it's kind of like even if it was bad. It's well made, it's and over. they're all well acted, and they're over after six minutes. So it's like, yeah. eh, who really cares? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, with that one, yeah, the ending did bother me a little bit because it's kind of a cheap shot, and it's also kind of like, 
yeah, it just is a weird thing to be like, have your protagonist be the, have the upper hand because he correctly predicted this horrible tragedy in somebody's life. You know what right. I mean? It's kind of like using that specific is kind of like, you know what? Like I'll, you know what? I'll kind of like, I'll kind of like forgive her for acting that way if that's what happened to her. Right. You know what I mean? And I felt like it was missing one more beat where with those characters, I feel like one of the points of characters like that is you could shove their face in that Mm -hmm. and they're just going to bounce right back up and be douchebags again. Yeah. So I felt like it was missing the beat where, yeah, maybe he gets his one shot in. Mm -hmm. Do they change at all? No. Right. You know? So, I mean, I I feel like I, I wanted to see her have one final line where it's like, she's already moving on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, right. Where she's completely unfazed by it. Yeah. But yeah. instead you don't get anything from her. So you, you're left with the possibility of like, maybe she's like really devastated by that. Right. Maybe, maybe she's really devastated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just felt like it, it didn't, it didn't fall in line with, with her. It was, I think that one was the, was a punchline. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Like we were just supposed to have to be like, Oh, yeah. you know, what, what what about you? Which which one kind of stood out, and which one was there? One like you said, the so short was there one that was bad. That, I mean, you know, the worst ones are the ones that I think you just kind of get to the end. You're just like, okay, yeah, exactly. There's not one that's like actively offensive. Though. No, I really like I like the Hannibal Burris one. I really liked the Kasim one that we talked about. Uh, I really liked the one about the woman who was just diagnosed with probably cancer but some sort of illness i thought that one was really good yeah that one was really good um what do you think of the of the guy whose mother right that was the only one i didn't really care for and i think that was just because his mother is coughing in the background the entire time and it's so annoying and it's like i understand why it's there i understand you're sort of building the environment but it just was annoying to listen to somebody cough yeah. for that long. And and that's also one of those where it's kind of like there's no real payoff, right. I, I guess. You know what I mean? Am it's I just, just kind of like to this, feel pity for right, this guy? Like, like, this guy's taking care of his mom, and he's gay, and he's attracted to the drug dealer. Well, well not just that. He's lonely. Right. right? Like, he he's attracted to... You know anybody, right? Will, right. You get the deliver. sense that he's good. He's attracted to anybody, and he's awkward, and it's just kind of like, all right. He he just doesn't know how to connect to people, but he's going through a really hard time in his life. But at the end, it's not like, and I kind of like it for it that this drug dealer doesn't solve everyone's problems. Right. <clears throat> he doesn't have all the answers. Right. And this one, he basically kind of just runs away. Right. And I both liked it and didn't like that ending because, like, I wanted there to be like. Am I going to see more about that character? Because all I'm left with is just feeling pity for him. And who wants to be felt pity for him? That's it. Like, oh, I'm just so sorry for you, man. Yeah. And at the same time, though, you know, it's like, like I said, it just is, you know, it's like a montage of this. These are just the characters that he's running into. And because it is well acted and written and well made. It, and it's five or six minutes long. It's kind of like, that's, it's fine with me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm fine with just getting a glimpse yeah. of this guy for five minutes. And, and just, is well, I, I mean, he's a good, yeah. he acts it well. Yeah. Which ones did you show your wife? Like, which ones? We watched the Hannibal Burris one and we watched the 
the two that I talked about, the Hambleverse one and the one with the woman who was um, sick. What'd she think? She liked him, I think. We didn't really talk about it. We were we were going to, and this, we'll just move on into this. We were, we were I was trying to get um, Spring to work on our Chromecast, but for some reason I could not get it to work. And so while my computer was rebooting and all that stuff, we watched a couple of the high maintenance episodes. So in the end, would you recommend this to others or? Sure. And that's the thing too. Like that's the thing too, that like, I'm not like, I've never smoked weed. I've never had an interaction with a drug dealer. Not saying that you have to have those experiences to like the show or the series, but I feel like because I don't have those experiences, it's not doesn't click with me as much as if I'd had that experience. You know what I mean? So I can I'm just watching it as a complete outsider, and I can appreciate it for how well it's made, but it doesn't like resonate with me in any way, you know, good or bad, really. And it doesn't, no, it doesn't really lead me to give a hearty recommendation to anybody, really. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if you've got a couple minutes to kill and you want something to watch, sure. If I wouldn't say you something you have to watch. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like it's better than, you know, over half the available entertainment out there. Absolutely. that, that, That you could watch on any given night. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'd say I say dive in. I feel like it could be an interesting forum for voices to, you know, for you have guest writers to write about this guy or write about new Yeah. New new figures. Like I'm interested on it from more of a writing standpoint, I think. Yeah. Because I like how condensed and dense they feel as character portraits mm-hmm. and how fully fleshed out you can get of a character, even two characters in 15 minutes. Again, yeah. going back to Kasim, like I know that guy after that time and was fully <clears throat> interested and intrigued. And it felt like, is this some kind of famous author who just like, what is like, Oh, I'll write an episode for you guys. Mm-hmm. Cause I'd love to see more of that. I would love to see more yeah. like featured. Hey, this is this author who did this. And he wrote a, you know, uh, an episode of high maintenance for us. Like mm-hmm. I'd, I'd love to see, um, Oh, what am I? The, um, uh, adventures of Cavalier and clay. Oh, Michael Shabon. Oh yeah. Why, how, anyway, I'd love to see like Michael Shabon's high maintenance mm-hmm. episode. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I'd love to see s- some more, um, specific takes on this. Yeah. Then, then, then was, and, and it made me wonder too, like was Hannibal Burris, of credit as a writer on his episode. Like mm-hmm. how much of that was his vision? Yeah. How much of that was like, Hey, we wrote this story for you, Hannibal. Right. Yeah. All right. So moving on to uh spring a movie called spring, you texted me. Was it last night or Saturday night? Sat. Yeah. I think it was, yeah. Sunday night. No, so Saturday. You, so you had read in the dissolve about this movie called spring it's made by the guys that made Resolution. Yeah. Which I don't know if we talked about that on the podcast. I don't think so. But Resolution, it's on Netflix, right? Yep. Resolution, I 
think we would both recommend watching. It's on Netflix. But the problem with it is I watched all of Resolution and had literally no idea what I just watched. <laughs> like, I was so... Conf- it's not a confusing... F- it's kind of like the same thing that I said about the Southern Reach trilogy, where it's like, I understand what is happening. I understand what the characters in the movie are doing, but I don't understand what any of the actions mean, kind of. And I didn't understand Resolution at all until... I read somebody's Reddit post and then it all made sense. So I watched all of Resolution, didn't like it at all because I didn't know what any of it meant. And I read the Reddit post and then it's like, oh, okay, that all makes sense. That all makes a lot of sense. And it just turns out that I'm probably like kind of stupid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like these guys are way smarter than me. And I think that's probably all we can say without spoiling, without spoiling uh, Resolution. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think it goes down as probably the greatest, like, plot summary reveal, right. like, movie experience of my life. Exactly. Like, reading that Reddit post yeah. blew my mind and yeah. made the film, which I liked on its own terms, but like you, I didn't get everything. Right. Then when I got it, I was like, wow, like, that's that's a twist ending. Right. And, and to be fair, I got I got literally nothing from that movie. After watching it, I had absolutely no idea what I had just watched. So anyways, these guys have made a second movie called Spring. And uh, we're going to talk, we'll talk about all aspects of the movie, spoilers included. So if you haven't watched it, would you recommend watching it? And you did you get to see Spring? Yeah, I watched it. Oh, okay. I didn't know that you did. Um, ooh. Would you recommend watching it? Maybe. I think I feel the same way. Yeah. After this talk, I'll see where where I fall on the recommends. Okay. So maybe check out Spring. If you're interested in it, just look in the description and I'll have timestamps for the show and you can move on to the next thing if you don't want to be spoiled. Why do I keep saying that? If you don't want to be spoiled. I like that we say spoiler. That's another feather in our cap. So spring is from these guys. It's, it's, I I saw you recommended it to me and was it, did you say it's like a romance horror movie? Yeah. I saw that somewhere. Yeah. I recommended it to you having not seen it. Like I recommended to to you. You said, let's check this out. Right. 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 Because we like the, the guys who made resolution uh, so much and the dissolve uh, rated it as like essential viewing. I was like, all right, like I would right. watch it anyway, but the dissolve review got me a little more intrigued. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I recommended that, that we should check it out. <clears throat> yeah. So it's about a guy who his parents are dead, gets in a fight. The police are coming after him. So he goes to Italy in Italy. He, finds a girl, falls in love with the girl, and she turns turns out to be some sort of centuries-old... Millennia-old. M- right. Shape-shifting monster slash Human? eater of men to stay alive and reproduce herself. Some sort of weird monster, right? But it's not like... It's not like a horror movie, right? Mm-hmm. It's just this kind of like 
I don't know. It's like uh it's like uh it's like uh the before sunrise movies. Right. Mixed with a monster, a monster movie. <laughs> basically. <laughs> right? Right. So what did you th- what did you think? You were sort of medium on it? On my on my letterbox review, mm. I kind of wrote I think I like this film for all the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. I liked it for its cinematography. I liked it for its use of in a in a review that I read later on. I read that they used drones to film, mm-hmm. so those kind of sweeping views of like aerial footage or even through the city at one point. That's just I was like, how are they getting this? Even mm-hmm. when I was watching it, I think it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like if you can afford a drone. Apparently that's the way to film. Like you should all be using yeah. drones to film. What didn't connect for me was the relationship. Right. Mainly Evan. Yeah. The dude has nothing to offer, especially when you put him up against 2,500 years of men. Right. That she's met. Right. It's like this guy. Yeah. And so the conceit is she is some sort of, monster that uses they they go to great lengths to try and explain every 20 it. years her cells her stem cells she needs new cells to stay alive right so she will impregnate herself mm-hmm. with uh some man's you know dna and stuff mm-hmm. mixed in incorporate that dna and then make a new right her. right after which she cannot be with that person anymore. Well, and she becomes a different person. Well, yeah, and she can't be with that person anymore because then it'd be like incest. Like, right. If she kept using his cells, not even incest, it would be like the person sleeping with themselves, right? Yeah, which it's is like another super, movie that super I saw. incest. That's, yeah, that, yeah, that's the uh, premise of another film I saw not too long ago. <laughs> um, literally. And, uh, <clears throat> and so. She needs to make the decision. Oh, and, and, and also, side note, the, the fairy tale aspect of this, which I heard somebody refer it to, mm-hmm. is if she feels true love, then she will automatically switch to using her current self. Right. So the caveat is if she is truly in love with the person she has slept with, right? Instead of using those cells to create a new person, she uses cells. right. She uses her adult cells to stay the same person and basically become mortal, right? And so she then just becomes mortal and and will live a regular life until she dies in fifty in years or so, right? Like her mother, right? So that's kind of right, but she has to be truly and and that's probably one of my biggest problems. With like you said, Evan is first of all not not only is he not bringing anything to the table. Towards the end of the movie, it's like every five minutes he's like, "Do you love me now?" <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just like he's kind of hitting the nail on the head a little too it, strong there, buddy. <laughs> in my review, I said the most believable phrase between the two was when she when Louise says, "I don't love you." Right. That was the one piece where I was like, "Wow, that, that's that's true." Yeah, yeah, and so. Yeah, I, the cinematography was nice. I would say this: the acting is good. The yeah. acting is good despite the writing. I think the writing in the movie is terrible, 
And I think I kind of felt the same way about Resolution, where I shouldn't say it's terrible. Yeah, I really, it just, yeah, I it's, liked it It's just this, like, for me, it's kind of, like, slightly off, right? You can sort of get what they're going for with the writing, but it just is not quite there. I, I think there's too much, like, bro culture in it where... Right, definitely in the beginning. Look, <clears throat> the very beginning is great. Evan sitting with his mother... Uh, as she passes away and everything that he says to her, you think, wow, this is like a, you know, thoughtful, caring person. Yeah. And the very next scene is basically him being like, I'm not thoughtful and caring. Like, I just want to be a working man. And, mm-hmm. you know, I work construction or, and, you know, beats a guy up at a bar and he just doesn't seem like that guy, you know? Mm-hmm. And to me, I was just like, this isn't, this doesn't feel like the thoughtful. Right. It all felt very orchestrated just to get him to Italy. Right. Where it could have just been like it could I feel like it could have just as easily been like, look, I just watched my mother die and now I don't know what to do with myself. So I've got this inheritance money and I'm going I'm just going to Italy. Right. Right. You don't need any explanation for that whatsoever outside right. of his mother's died, and so he's just doing what he wants to do. Or is he angry? And, you know, he's angry there, but he's not really angry later on. I mean, mm-hmm. um, it's not like he harbors this deep, burning anger. That he, needs to, he works on a farm. He seems pretty cool and relaxed. I, on the Dissolve, I jumped in the comments section for a little bit mm-hmm. and posited my own ending mm-hmm. that I wanted to toss to you. Okay. So... I think we, we, you mean we, you didn't like the ending where she does magically fall in love with him at the uh, last second and they uh, spend eternity in each other's arms or whatever they do. <laughs> here, here are two possible endings that I would posit are better than what we got, mm-hmm. and I'll let you weigh on which one you like the best. Uh, I think it's gonna be a tough decision. Mm-hmm. Number one, when he's like monologuing, when he's doing his soliloquy mm-hmm. as she's laying in his oh, lap. Oh, right. And he's somehow not hearing the disgusting crunches <laughs> Transformation. that's going on with their body or whatever that noise and look, is. You know, I think he's obviously trying not to look oh, at that Oh, he's caught moment. up in the moment, right. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, he saw what she could be. Right. Like, she was horrifying. Right. Uh, it, and, sorry to interrupt, it gets almost slapsticky towards the end, right? The scene in the church. The scene in the church yes. does not make any sense. It doesn't sense fit at all. The The... I just saw a zombie. It's like heroin. a Three Stooges short. Exactly. Yeah. The little thing coming yeah. up behind her, yeah. and she's being all loud, you know, and he's like trying. And I was like, where did we fall? Right. Like, what hole did we fall into yeah. narratively that they are like, let's right. go for it? Did, let's the, just... did the Fairley brothers have like a co writing spot? Right. <laughs> it's like co direct. It's like the Sin City movie. Where Frank Miller comes in and co-directs for that one scene. No, you know what it is. I bet it's it's linked to a Kickstarter reward that the Fairley Brothers <laughs> yeah. bought. Right. They paid the maximum. They got to write one scene right. of the movie. Yeah. And they wrote that church scene. <laughs> um, but no, yeah. The, okay. I think we can both agree that the film itself is interesting, intriguing, right? Really, pretty much up until the church scene. The church scene then takes a narrative nosedive into flat comedy, mm-hmm. you know? And then from there, it's just tonally, like, all over the place. Yeah. Where 
she's like actively changing and he's just like, yep, I'm here with you. Mm. So get to the end. She's laying in his lap. You hear her transforming. He's talking about growing up or whatever. And I was like, they're going to pan down and she's going to be like slurping up his legs already. Like she's going to be like (laughs) this monstrous creature and already like eating him. Right. Number one. Yes. I love it. Number two ending. The Graduate, right? Mm-hmm. Here is a lady who has been alive for 2,500 years. She's tired mm-hmm. of it all. And now comes this nice guy, and she's going to make an impulsive decision that then once she makes, she's going to regret. Mm-hmm. So the, the brilliance of The Graduate is that the ending is ambiguous, where you have this great sign of love and she runs away with Dustin Hoffman's character, but then the movie goes on for one beat more and they're sitting in the car and it shows them each like look out the opposite window and you get a sense of they're both thinking, you know, what have we done? Right. Like, is this the right decision? Yeah. Give me that. Yeah. She just gave up eternity for Evan. Right. You know? For a guy she's known for five days. For a guy she's known for five days and honestly has not shown us much. Right. You know, in the Dissolve comments, somebody else was like, you know, she tells him like, you're funny. And no, this is on the AV Club review. Where she tells him like, you're funny. And he's like, he must have been saving his humor for like off screen. Because we don't see that. We don't see, we see a guy who's like, Head over heels in love is basically like, what can I do for you? Like, tell me what you need. Tell me what you want, you know? But that in no way is sustainable. It's not like anybody would love like, yeah, I love this person. You know why? Because they desperately want me to love them. Mm -hmm. That's his defining characteristic. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. I think the, the graduate ending would have been more in line with the first two thirds of the movie. I would have loved the eating his legs ending. <laughs> and I wanted the movie to end. I wanted something to happen because there's that moment like at the beginning of that sequence where he goes to call his friend Tommy on the payphone, right? And it's this weird sequence where they're walking together and then he says something or they separate for some reason and you have yeah. no idea where she goes. And it, you're just following him walking down the street, and eventually he gets to pay. And it goes on for long enough where I'm thinking, wait a minute, where did she go? She just disappears, right? And I wanted some kind of reveal. I wanted her, him to like either, or I wanted the camera to either like pan back as he's walking to the payphone, or like him to be talking on the payphone, and for like the camera to slowly pull back and you just see her like hulking over him. And she's like this giant monster. You know what I mean? But it just, he gets off the phone and then goes and fun. She's just sitting on a bench randomly. But that moment was really weird. But yeah, the ending is kind of a letdown. I feel like they were too self-aware and that church scene was, was a, a clue into it where they just didn't fully commit to the idea to be either like a funny right you know kind of like can you believe like liquor changing and right. how are people responding to her or a you know indie melodrama right just an endlessly melodramatic story and so they end up walking this tightrope 
It just doesn't. You you can't sustain a full length feature film walking in tight tightrope where at the end you're then things are coming together and you're just like, what am I? You know, am I watching some kind of comedy? Am I watching something that's real stakes and danger? Like, is his life in danger? Because in the church scene too, see that thing come up with spikes. So it's like in one time you're having the most comedic scene mixed with an introduction of danger for mm-hmm. the character that just caused me to be like, I don't care about these characters now because you're in this other realm of, you know, like, Oh, everything will be, you know, they're all just, you know, out in public and she's changing and it's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. Um, mixed with Evan could get killed by this person. Right. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. I just, you know, I feel like I'm interested in what they do next. Sure. But, you know, for for this one, I would have rather, you know, like you said, like, pick a side, commit to it. And I would have hoped that they would have picked the side that says, hey, melodramatic indies have been made a million times over and monster films have too. Let's make a fun one. Like, Yeah. Or know? let's lampoon them both because it's kind of like... That it's kind of you know res, as much as resolution I felt like is obviously commenting is comment I need to stop saying obviously because I had no idea what it was doing. <laughs> resolution was commenting on horror movie tropes. Right. This movie, I don't feel like it's commenting on those things on the things it thinks it's commenting on as much as it is just abiding by them. As much as it is just kind of like smashing them both together together and thinking that that is the commentary. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's saying much. And and like you said, the church scene, first of all, it's a scene from a different movie completely. But it's also like, it's like one step removed from what the first hour of the movie was. But it's also one step removed from like a Bubba Hotep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's in like this weird middle space yeah. where it's like, it's not quite so goofy that it's funny and it's also not melodramatic. Yeah. So it just is like, what? It, it's just, is so tonally strange. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So spring, um, was there anything else that you watched? I watched a movie called Backcountry mm-hmm. that I can talk about really quick. Sure. Um, it's a survival horror film that, understands its genre Mm -hmm. takes a turn that you don't expect and it's just in just enjoyable Mm -hmm. just flat enjoyable um the budget i think starts to show through at the very end Mm -hmm. and i felt like again if you're interested in my thoughts on movies at all letterboxd is a good place to find me in my letterboxd review i kind of said that um it builds, right? This mood, this tension, this atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And then right when you're like, okay, here it comes. It's all going to pay off. It builds mm-hmm. a little more. And you're like, here we go. And it builds more. And you're mm-hmm. like, enough building. Right. <laughs> right. Then right when you're done with the building, then it, you know, then, then, yeah. then it comes through. But I mean, it, it so it overbuilds its atmosphere. But again, when you're working on a budget, I'm sure you're like, Hey, this is what we can afford, you mm-hmm. know, so let's keep mm-hmm. building this atmosphere. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I would say it's 
like the perfect Friday night film where you get through a long week and you just want to have some fun mm-hmm. and you don't want to watch anything too serious. You just want to watch something that's like, just think it through, you yeah. know? And Backcountry knows what it wants to be. It thinks it it, it through. Mm-hmm. And Elise and I had a had a blast with it. We watched it with um with my younger brother in law and, and he liked it too. It was, mm-hmm. you know, it was the perfect kind of like let's just hang out, talk th- you know, you can talk through it kind of and mm-hmm. have fun with it. So backcountry, I'd I'd recommend it over spring. Okay. It's on Netflix? Nope. Um that one we had to download. Okay. Voodoo. Mm. Okay. Uh and speaking of lighthearted fun on a Friday night, I watched something completely the opposite called Lost for Life. Totally depressing. Totally like for life. just kick you in the gut. It's a documentary about teenagers who've been sentenced to life in prison. <laughs> I heard it's on HBO. Or it's on it? Netflix. It's on Netflix. I, okay. I think they talked about it on The Champs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So oh, I, did you notice the champs in Hannibal Burris? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That's a nice little nod. Um, yeah. So I watched that, and it just is like, man, it was rough. It just is, you know, it's it's a documentary about teenagers. I think it's mainly like sixteen, seventeen year olds who have committed some terrible crime, yeah. probably you know, mostly murdering somebody, and they get sentenced as adults. And so you just interviews with them and kind of like talks about the system a little bit. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, you go back and forth cause it's like, you start to gain sympathy for these people, but then it's like, yeah, but you murdered, murdered somebody like in cold blood. Uh, so it's tough, you know, it's a, it's, so that's what I'm, so that's what I'm saying. It's, it's really, it is a really, and I was going to recommend it. It was going to be my recommendation this week. But man, it just as I was watching, it was just like, man, this is a real downer. This is really killing my vibe right now. You know what I mean? And I was at work. I was already down, right? And it was just like this thing was dragging me through the mud. It was rough. <laughs> um, but if you're interested in those things, I would recommend it. It's well made and it's definitely interesting. You know, it's definitely giving you a perspective that you wouldn't have elsewise. Unless you're a teenage murderer locked away for life. <laughs> I thought it was on Netflix. There's a movie called Start Up that I watched. It's mm-hmm. kind of like that, although it's in the British penal system. Mm-hmm. And that's what they refer to, to a juvenile who's sentenced as an adult, who's moved up to adult prison. They call it being start up. Okay. Um, I thought it was really, really good. Really yeah. good. Yeah. Can't understand the accents hardly at all. <laughs> but um, I just checked on Netflix. I don't think it's there anymore. Yeah. But if you can, watch... Instead of watching that, if that's depressing, watch Start Up. You'll get the same vibe, right. I think, but maybe a little different. Okay. Feeling by the end. All right. Uh, have you been reading anything of note? Yeah. I've been uh, reading uh, volume two of a graphic novel series mm-hmm. that we talked about previously called East of West. Yeah. So East of West is by uh, Jonathan Hickman. Um, he wrote it and... Uh, Nick Dragata uh, drew it. Mm-hmm. And it's just a graphic novel series following death as he tries to find his son and avenge some 
horrors that were visited upon his family. Yeah. Um, by the other riders of the apocalypse. Right. War, famine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I read the first volume and I, I recommended it to you. Mm-hmm. And I did like it. You know, Jonathan Hickman's known for like writing these bizarre kind of graphic novel storylines that he also is involved in Manhattan projects mm-hmm. that we that we read. And that one is is a little strange, you know, mm-hmm. and sometimes hard <laughs> to make narrative sense of. Right. And uh the first volume of East of West was was to just trying to get a sense of the world, which is yeah. both supernatural and real. And these Riders of the Apocalypse and some of the references. All the surrounding characters. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, And it's hard to kind of get a sense of what is this about, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, you, you want what you, you know, the art that you intake to be like, I understand the message. I understand the idea, the theme. Why are they doing this, right? Mm-hmm. Like, even if it's absurdist or abstract, sometimes that's the point, right? Mm-hmm. Just to like shock you, give you something you haven't seen before. That could be enough. Mm-hmm. But with East of West volume one, I, I just wasn't, I wasn't sure what the, what he was really getting at. Yeah. So I picked up the second volume. I just got done reading it and I'm forcing it upon you because I, I loved it. Mm-hmm. Like to me, it totally coalesces a lot of the ideas of the first one. The first one just kind of throws a bunch of ideas out there. Mm-hmm. And this one takes it and structures it more mm-hmm. as an identifiable story that you can follow from beginning to end. Never was I left going, what was that? You know, I knew exactly where everything was, even though the imagination behind it is, you know, pretty remarkable, like in what they're addressing, the two worlds, supernatural, real, and all these kind of forces, the art to the art style is gorgeous. Yeah. So, um, I'm kind of forcing this upon you to read. Um, don't read it around your children. Right. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but I, I'm really excited. I now want to go volume three is out. Oh, and, it is. Yeah. And like, I want to go get it yeah. right now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about some music quickly to, okay. to, to close wrap this. Up. Yeah. To wrap up this segment. Uh, so I was watching, uh, this was also while before we were trying to get, uh, while we are trying to get Spring to work on our Chromecast, we watched a couple episodes of Hype Maintenance, and then my wife, who, uh, who has recently started listening to uh, Haim, which... Haim? No, their is name Heim? is Haim, exactly. Okay. For, uh, you know, it's one of those bands that you've, seen around yeah and i always assumed their name was haim uh-huh. and then she plays this video of them performing on david letterman and he's like here's haim and my first thought is oh david letterman pronounced her their name wrong but then she plays another video and someone else is like here's haim so the name's haim first of all okay. which i never listened to them um but my question is their performance on David Letterman made me think of this sort of issue that I seem to have with a lot of bands where I can't separate their performances from the music itself. 
So listening to the band Heim on David Letterman, I feel like I might like their music, but the performance was so (laughs) bad is not the right word, but it just is so like not my thing that it makes me not want to listen to their music, right? It was like every member of the band had Tourette's. Like every bassist. Exactly. Definitely. Exactly. Every member of the band has some sort of twitch or something that they're doing that's supposed to be like their performance thing, I guess. I don't know. The bass player, definitely. But once I saw it in the bass player, I then started seeing it in everybody else. The drummer is doing a thing where he's like, like jerking his. It's just like everyone is like has this weird tick in the band. (laughs) And so now despite liking what I heard from their performance, I have no interest in listening to and actually listening to the music, right? Do, or do you have the same, like for me, future islands is the same thing. Yeah. It, not so much the music, the guy's voice, singing voice turns me off period. Right. But the performance just sort of like solidifies that there's no way I would ever listen to this band because I have this image of him dancing in my head whenever I listen to it. Right. Yeah. Well, you you live on a different plane of of music engagement where you feel that way about Future Islands and and now I'm gonna it's Heim 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 look up Heim's performance on David Letterman okay but you also thirty seconds to Mars you will <laughs> listen because their performance is so or is it just their videos are so their kind of, videos yeah. Yeah, something about it. It's but that is kind of like the so bad it's good. I think that's kind of like the so bad it's good territory. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So you're saying if Heim's music was maybe worse, you would be more addicted to them, like Thirty Seconds to Mars. And if, if it's their, good music if, but a bad performance, if their performance was yeah, if their performance was like yeah, it's like Thirty Seconds. Like I've probably watched more 30 seconds to Mars videos than I've listened to like some bands that I see, literally enjoy listening to. So you're, you're, you're like, it's like, you know, when you have a negative times a negative and you get a positive, right? That That's like you in music. It's yeah. like bad performance, bad music. I get a positive reaction. Right, exactly. You know? That's very true. But yeah. if it's like good music, bad performance or vice versa, yeah. You're gonna get a negative. I just negative. can't take it. Yeah, that's true. That's a good. I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah, I think I just uh, unlocked a secret. All right. Well, we're gonna take a break, um, and we'll come back with recommendations. With my recommendation. So my recommendation for you is it's an easy one, short and sweet. It is a band called Houndstooth that I would say is so far in your wheelhouse (laughs) that it is not in the wheelhouse. It it is is the wheelhouse. This is your wheelhouse. I will start defining future music (laughs) by Houndstooth. Yeah, exactly. How Um, Houndstooth is this? (laughs) Right. But it's um, so it's a it's like a country pop band out of Portland, Oregon, which may be a bad description, Um, but they have one album out. My recommendation is not that album. 
The album is okay. But they have a new album coming out next week, next Tuesday. And the single is called No News From Home, and it's super good. And so my recommendation is that single and... Um, is there a performance I can watch too that you'd recommend? Sure. Yeah, they've got a couple of live things on YouTube. Um, I think they've got a KEXP performance. Um, they've got like a bluegrass festival performance that's good. They've got some stuff on YouTube. Okay. But yeah, Houndstooth in general, specifically No News From Home, which is their single, the new single, and maybe some videos on YouTube. Okay. Houndstooth. Uh, but that's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you for listening. Uh, and you can, I recently reinstalled Twitter on my phone, I guess, because I never deleted my account. And the world just became that much brighter. Right. And I, I, I'm, I'm going to, so I'm going to start tweeting again. Do I need to refollow you? I think I do. Did you unfollow me? I don't know. Kind of, what kind of friend are you? We'll deal with this <laughs> offline. Jeez. This isn't the place. How fickle. No, I honestly, I would have done the same thing. If someone told me I'm I'm not using my Twitter account anymore, I would have unfollowed them before they even finished that <laughs> sentence. Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter. I am at Blizzard with nine Zs. Keith. You are still on Twitter, right? Yes, at Things Come Right. And if you have any questions, suggestions, uh, beratements about the show, you can email me. My email will be in the show notes. And uh, that'll do it until uh, next week. 